What's up, Tanner? Hi, Odin. How are you? Pretty good. All right, let's get this started. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Thrive from Cynical Esports. I am here with my very first uh, anchor interview with Odin of Omni Esports, the returning Omni Esports, in fact. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. How do you feel about that? What was the decision between you and Iris and when all that went down? Yeah, um, I don't know. We were we were looking for a new org and like, you know, looking for people, somebody to pick us up. And we couldn't really find something that we were, were looking for. We tried out Ace for a little bit, but you know, we weren't really happy with the org all that much. And then um, uh, Marcus, also known as Canadian or Slushy, uh, recommended that we restart Omni. And then we all kind of started talking about it. And it was always kind of like on the table. But then after we finished our pro league match uh, last night against Omega, I kind of just said to Andrews, like, let's do it. And from there, we kind of just sent it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm really excited, though. Uh, I, I missed Omni. Well, yeah, because you were practically – like, it's always been, like, a thing in your mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you went from just being an average team to becoming, like, the talk of the summer, and everybody was wondering when you when were you going to lose or yeah, well, if you guys were ever going to lose. And then when it finally happened, people just kind of moved on, you know? Yeah. No, I, the whole story behind Omni was, like, oh, I was kind of a shitty gold noob, and – Oh, I like I met uh, Liquid, and he, he kind of taught me how to play the game properly. I remember when Chimera came around, I hit Diamond for the first time, and I was like, "Okay, well, ranked is fucking boring. How can I get better?" And I had just started watching Pro League uh, a little while before that, and I was like, "Why don't I make a team?" And kind of went from there. So we were completely—I was completely new to comp. I had no clue what I was doing, but somehow we made it work, and then. Uh, we ended up going – we lost our very first league match. After that, we ended up going on a 33-game win streak and then ended up losing to Talon. And then after that, uh, a couple of things happened with between players and people started leaving partly because I didn't want to – or I still wanted to play, but I was too nice to remove people from the starting roster. So I ended up removing myself so that I could fit new people on. And then people were mad that I wasn't playing, and it kind of fell apart. But it's good to have the name back up. What do you think the biggest difference between, like, your old Omni in the summer and then this newly formed Omni that is actually going to come back and not just, like, a rumor? I definitely think that we're going to be an even better team than the old Omni. I think that, in in general, the average scale – of competitive xbox over the last half year has just drastically gone through the roof teams have gotten you know extra um like uh exponentially better and so i think my my skill personally i have 100 percent improved i'm a lot smarter at the game you know back on omni i i was our igl and our droner and that was pretty much it you know there are a couple of games where i popped off but Aside from that, I was pretty much support. And then even when I played on Talon, I was a shitty support. Whereas now, 
on Omni, I'm the primary fragrance. So I'd say my skill like itself has definitely improved. And I'd say in general, the team is going to be, you know, a lot more well-rounded and uh, everyone on the team is going to be a lot more skill-based. Whereas on old Omni, you know, it was a lot of uh, sunny, really slaughtering everybody in his path while the other four droned him in. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, with Andrew, me, um, Jay, and uh, and Marcus, and um, Mads, I think we're going to do really well. Yeah. Um, how do you think you guys will do in the Pro League – Pro League arena, do you know for sure? Because the way I see it, every, okay, I'm gonna come out on this. Go for it. Everybody's been on that Apex hype train or whatever. Mm-hmm. I understand that they're good. I don't think they're gonna win it. Yeah, I, this could be. This is me probably being biased, you know. Yeah. But, well, my opinion on Apex, I think that, you know, they are good. They do have good individual school. It's just um, a lot. You know, when we first played, like, we've, we've scrimmed them twice now, and both times we've come really, really close to beating them. So I think it's definitely possible. They're definitely – it's a team that it is able to be beat. They're no, they're no G2 or investigation file. You know, it's possible to beat them. And I think right now they're they're kind of a newer team. It's kind of like you know, for example, when Omni came around, it, it was an unknown. We were a bunch of unknown players that kind of came out of nowhere and started slaughtering everyone. And then after that, that was Talon. You know, not necessarily unknown players, but players that were kind of you know, it was a new team came out and started slaughtering people, and everyone was on the Talon hype train. And then now that's where Apex is, and I think that'll die down eventually. I think. In our, our own performance, I think, you know, so far, our first match against Decadence was a little shaky. We kind of had – we had two new players and things – yeah, things were a little uh, iffy that match. But we definitely – we came out and, like, for example, yesterday our match against Omega was we – went, we went flawless. We went 7-0. Um, and everyone on our team was positive. We had a really good showing. And I think that if we play like we did today – in all of our matches, we, we should be a really dominant team. I know we had really, really good takes on attack. We only played one defense round, but that was – we absolutely swept on defense. But, yeah, no, like I feel like uh, – because on our, our biggest uh, issues have been communication and then kind of people solo entering and then, you know, kind of getting a little too aggressive. I feel like today we did really, really well at kind of reining that in. All right. Um, when you say that your game is, do you think that it was partially because you're playing against a struggling team? I think. That's... I think. Yeah. Part. It's part. There's partially that side of it, but I think, you know, that there was them playing poorly and us playing really, really well. I could definitely feel. You know, there was a definite improvement from our game against Decadence to to this game. Do you think that sometimes teams just struggle when they're down and they don't think that they can come back from a situation? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
you know, mind games and mental state is probably one of the biggest things in Siege. And, like, that's something I have always struggled with is being able to keep composed and calm. And I've gotten oh, really no, good I at can't. that. But, like, yeah, you and I both have that issue. Um, but, yeah, no, if you, you know, they are were, they had pretty much started to give up by the time the defense came or, or our, our defense came around. Because, like, yeah, and, yeah like, I think – you always you have to take like my this is how I play. I play taking every gunfight that I know I have to take, thinking like I oh, they're knowing that I'm going to win. You know, I tell myself, you know, you're gonna win this gunfight. Yeah, and you, that you gives gotta you, be confident. Exactly. And the, like that doesn't mean go and be stupid and peek everything, but it means that you know if you know you're gonna get in a gunfight, you know you need to you need to take a gunfight. Think that you're gonna win it. And, you know, and then even so, like, take every round thinking that you're going to win that round. Take every situation thinking that you will win that situation. And the confidence that that gives you tends to, you know, sway things in your favor. So, you know, I don't think we're going to go around 7 owing everyone, but I definitely think that, you know, we can... You found that competitive edge or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, we were a lot more well-coordinated. For example, we played on console, and I did stream it on my Twitch. So if anyone were to want to watch that, you can go ahead. I'm pretty sure if people wanted to study, that would be a good way to do it. But like, for example, we we're playing consulate and we did the majority of our attacking pushes through admin office. And I would get, dr- you know, we'd have people drone out middle floor and top floor simultaneously while me and Andrew entered through admin. And every single time we would kill whoever was playing an admin. Um, and then we push up, take control of top floor, drop down, and take control of the middle floor if they were garage and then assault garage from there and if they were top floor you would just push them through admin use the habana to get open projector wall and then just how we'd have a blackbeard sitting out on projector windows and then from there we would just set up for plant and like we would have map control within the first minute and a half of the round and i think there were two rounds where you know my entering was really really well coordinated for example uh there was a you know, there was one round they were playing upstairs and there was a dock holding in the northeast corner of admin kind of like that similar corner where everyone kind of hides, like the bitch corners. Yeah, like that. yeah. And then so I called to Andrew. I said somebody drone out visa for Andrew. Andrew, go with Jack because he's Jack. I was like go underneath dock, and oh, and start opening up the floor. And he did, and that caused dock to run into printer. And the moment he ran into printer, I repelled in, ran around and took the gunfight and won it. And then from there we took our push, so like I we're definitely way more coordinated than we were in decadence. In decadence, yeah, everyone was kind of off running by themselves, not droning. Do you think a map that the Villa map took a part of the decadence game too? Because I I know that Villa has been a map for two seasons now, but that map is just has so many rooms, and the sound on that map really gets to you because you'll think that somebody is like across the map but in reality they're like in the room yeah. right next to you i think the yeah villa was part of that you know we wanted to run strats on villa but you know because of some predicaments and us being a newer like you know having two new players on rush because there's like, there's like that three-man core of me iris and canadian and then we had always been trying to find a dedicated fourth and fifth um you know we had just found that like that day so I think that was a part of the struggle. We didn't really have any designated villa strats 
And, you know, on our, our first defense round, I think we took it four to, you know, we, we had four people alive still. Um, but it, it kind of just started to fall apart. You know, we part of it was, yeah, not having proper straps. But I think the other thing was just people weren't winning their gunfights. I know me especially. I uh, I wasn't winning my gunfights. Uh, I was winning some of them. I wasn't winning all of them, though. Uh, but then there was also a lack of communication. I remember one round in specific that sticks in my head is they were doing, they were pushing from study and we were in trophy. Um, and I was playing in the vault, holding onto bar. And then uh, Canadian was uh, Rook and he was playing in avia- aviation uh, right next to me. And he had rotated out without telling me and I didn't know that he wasn't watching anymore. And a Twitch just crouch walked in behind me and shot me in the back. So there's, it was just kind of, you know, there, there were lapses in communication where, you know, for example, everyone always thinks it's like, oh, you know, the only communication is knowing call-outs and knowing, you know, how to call push and stuff. But, like, I think one thing that a lot of teams struggle on when it comes to communication is communicating what, you know, individual players are doing. So being like, oh, I'm holding here. You don't need to watch this angle. Somebody watch my other angle. Or, hey, um... I'm rotating off. You're alone now. Uh, so watch your back or things like that. You know, letting your teammates know what you're doing. Just like let you know that your teammate is doing this and he's not fucking around in a corner or whatever, you know? Yeah, what I mean? exactly. And like, you know, for example, if Marcus had said in that situation, oh, I'm rotating out. Uh, I'm not watching back anymore. Or I could just a bit said, no, keep watching my back. I need you to sit there and hold or I'd be, or I would, start watching Aviator as well as Bar and being able to jump between the two. Now, you were Thunders, and then you switched to Ace, and now you're Omni. Do you think that playing for, like, the team is, like, playing for that team's glory and for the just playing for the team itself is a huge privilege? Or do you think, like, it's just another game? Because, like, when... When I see Omni, I think of the past and all the accomplishments that they had, but I also think of, like, how much chemistry they had and, like, how much every game mattered to them. And do you think you're going to be able to replicate that with the new team? Or do you think you're going to go even further? I definitely think we do have a lot to live up to. I remember, you know, old Omni very, very vividly. And the chemistry we had was amazing. But, like, me, Andrew, and Marcus, our chemistry is just insane. And... I do think that we, you know, we are very, very passionate people. We do, you know, everyone on that team is so dedicated to win. Um, And we've been getting a lot of practice in. And, you know, me, Andrew, and Marcus have been playing together for quite a while now. And so our our, um, chemistry is already pretty much there. And I do think, yeah, it is a lot to live up to. But, you know, we're going to take every game super passionately. It doesn't matter whether we're playing the best team or the worst team in the league. We're going to take every game, you know, super seriously. We're going to, you know, we want to win. We want to do the best that we can. So I think that um, even though it is a lot to live up to, I definitely think that it's in the realm of possibility. Who do you – who do you guys play? Or No, your guys' play week is already done. You don't have another game this week, do you? No, we don't. We played – we played Decadence, and then we played Omega, and – and that's it. I don't know what our play week looks like for next week. What do you? What is your opinion on the the merger with Pro League Material and the 
the pro league arena and all that. What what's your opinion on that? You've been a huge like voice in like the league R six community for a while, for like half a year now. Like, what is your opinion on that? Oh, it's funny enough. I've actually followed pro league material since he was like around three thousand, four thousand followers, and so I watched him, you know, kind of blow up into the page he's now, but. Oh, and I saw that they had made that merger. I think that's huge, not just for, you know, the people playing, but just the Xbox Siege community in general, because now we have, you know, uh, you know a, a person with so much publicity that is backing up this league that we have, that, you know, the Siege community has worked so hard on the, these past couple of months. And, you know, now we're getting all this huge publicity. You know, for example, the cynical versus apex game had upwards of a hundred viewers at one point, which I think is insane. That's a all time high for Mm -hmm. even back in the unknown league, you'd probably get like 30, 40 people watching just like see the game. But now you, you, we might be able to even be put on like, you go to Twitch, you go to rainbow six siege. We might even be like one of the top streams. And I think that's absolutely huge. The publicity that we can get. And then, just kind of the platform that Pro League Material has, I think, is a really great platform, and it will, you know, really benefit the Xbox Siege community in general, because because you know, it, ideally, the one most wonderful thing that could happen is if Ubisoft finally gives in and starts to realize the publicity that you know, if we show there is a community on Xbox that is passionate about competitive Rainbow Six, and you know, we have these people like Pro League Material promoting it and giving it this publicity. Hopefully Ubisoft will come along and bring back majors or put in Challenger League and Pro League or start hosting tournaments and LAN events on uh, on Xbox Siege. And you know what? I think that that would be so cool because then you'd have bigger organizations coming to Xbox as well. And, you know, for example, my, my idol is Skies. And I think that... Um, you know, it is my dream to, you know, get to where he is and, you know, like skill-wise and whatnot. And uh, I think that, you know, if Xbox Pro League, like the actual Ubisoft Pro League would have come back, oh, that would be so cool. Because if we, if we take a look back and we, like, dissect what happened in the situation, Xbox Pro League was around... I'd say from like late year one to like early year two. I'm pretty sure. Like pretty sure Xbox Pro League was around from the very beginning of Pro League up until the end of the first Invitational. We're a Continuum one. Right? Yeah, we're a Continuum and so, L1. So that was like that was like early in the game's life, like barely into the second year. Mm-hmm. Like, summer of 2017 or something like that yeah so we are now approaching year four we now have almost do we have 50 ops in the game or over 50 ops? Uh, i think it's over i believe uh so there's 20 base ops there's um eight new ops in year one eight new ops that's 16 that's 24 we're at 44 operators currently so we're pretty much Almost a 50, 50, if you want to round it up. We should. There's so many, other than like Tachanka, I'd probably say there's so many lineup compositions that you could do. Yeah. On both attack and defense. So, like, yeah, people could argue that 
all the booting and mouse and keyboard using and all that's kind of ruined it for people. Mm -hmm. But we have to take a look back. If pro, if an actual Ubisoft sponsored pro league were to come back, we could potentially see former Xbox pros just get off a PC and go back to Xbox. I'm not sure if we would see people from the former pros from Xbox or PC go back to Xbox. It's possible, but I don't think the big uh, Xbox games that move to PC will come back. However, I do think, you know, it's possible that some of them will. I, you know, what I'd like to see, is, you know, it not this would give, you know, people who aren't able to afford a PC or, you know, who, you know, are so good on, you know, the sticks, but they cannot use a mouse and keyboard to save their life. You know, it gives them a chance to get and get their name out, you know, to try and, you know, make it big in Siege. And I definitely think, you know, the majority of the Siege community is on Xbox. It, it, it's like something like 30, 38%, 38 or 39% of the Siege community is on Xbox. And then that's followed closely by PlayStation or by, by PC and then PlayStation. So I think, you know, it would definitely be a, a good for the community to have Pro League come back. And, I, you know, especially with uh, uh, Xbox and Microsoft adding mouse and keyboard support to Xbox, uh, that's going to nullify the Zim Apex completely. Like, they're completely getting rid of that. Zim Apexes and Zims in general will not work on Xbox anymore. And the only way to use a mouse and keyboard is to plug one directly in. Xbox is making programs that can detect your controller input and then developers can uh, control whether or not you're allowed to use that controller input in their game. And so, I mean, if a pro league were to come back, they would actually be able to stop uh, mouse and keyboard from happening. Even if mouse and keyboard does get does get a green light from Ubisoft, it's going to be illegal. I mean... Yeah, well, it's even like a ta- it's a huge taboo to do it on Xbox. Mm-hmm. But if Ubisoft announces that they're supporting mouse and keyboard, there's nothing we can do, and it's going to be okay whether we don't like it or not. I mean, yeah, everyone's going to hype yeah. on everyone. And honestly, if they give their support behind it, and Microsoft gives their or supports it, and then Ubisoft decides to support it, I'm all for it. Then you know, I'll plug in my mouse and keyboard. I'm I'm the same boat. I play. PC casually, you know. I think it's kind of a scummy thing to do when uh, it's not a supported controller input yet on Xbox. The only three games you can play it on are Warframe, Fortnite, and Minecraft. Um, so it's still cheating on on Rainbow Six. It is, Ubisoft has said it's cheating. Uh, Microsoft has said that using a Zim Apex is not like allowed on their console. They do not support the Zim Apex whatsoever. Um, and so, uh, you, know, you, think- you know, if they, if they start supporting it, I'm all for it. But right now I think, you know, even though I don't, I'm not, I don't think that, you know, people who use mouse and keyboard are necessarily bad per se. I think the ones that try and hide it and then try and can, you know, say that they're on controller when they're really they're on mouse and keyboard, that's when it's an issue. That's when you know those people are 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 being scummy. You know, if somebody's blatant MNK and they're totally open about it, I don't mind it as much. You know, I still think it's not not necessarily fair. At least they're honest. Yeah, at least they're honest about it, and they're not trying to compare themselves to control. And you know, 
people who, you know, if somebody's a mouse and keyboard player and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm way better than you, and the person they're talking to is controller, I think that's also a little unfair because, you know, if you're mouse and keyboards, you can't compare yourself to a controller player. Yeah, and half, I'd probably say about 35 45% of the top-tier diamond players on the leaderboard are mouse and keyboard. Exactly. I got Serpa, IBK Corey, Tragic L, King Brad, Supreme VF. Shit, who's else? who else is MK on the top leaderboard? Uh, like, it's getting really ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And I would rather play with a mouse key. Like, if you're a mouse keyboard and you play rank, that's whatever. Like, I only get pissed off when it's like in the competitive scene. Yeah, exactly. No, I, yeah, I don't give it two shits in ranked. I honestly think ranked is stupid. However, the new playlist that just released, I think uh, if this is how they're going to change ranked, I think that that's such a. It, it's so good. The new Have you play- seen uh, a bunch of the pros are complaining about it, which I think is absolutely ridiculous? Yeah, because- I've seen that, no. No, Pengu, Pengu tweeted out, or Entero, Entero and Mylosh were promoting the new playlist, saying that, like, hey, this is really cool. We might be changing the rank formula soon. Like, we should all play this. And the pros are here bitching because they're in their little five pro stacks going against, like, casual silvers and golds who just play the game for fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And they don't understand that, like, this playlist is meant for like, it's, it's a test. To see yeah, it's, how, it's a testing ground to see if the formula can work. I mean, yeah, they could put it on the test server, but the test server is only limited to PC. I think they're doing this. Exactly. When this thing is like, you know, like all platforms. You if you look I mean? at the different regions of Siege, you know, NA, Latin America, and EU, they all play differently. And I definitely think that. That also goes for the three different consoles. You know, people on PC play differently than people on Xbox. People on Xbox play different from people on PS4. And so I think, you know, uh, doing a test this way kind of allows everybody to, uh, you know, get a chance to try it out. It almost reminds me of, for the people that have played War Thunder before, the April Fool's events. For example, uh, there is one where they uh, did uh, main battle tanks and helicopters, attack helicopters. As like an April Fool's Day, where you know you play you know these modern tanks and helicopters, and then a year later, what do you know? Modern tanks and helicopters came out. So I think you know being you know doing things like this, where it's a it's not technically a test, but everyone knows it's a test. You know, it's it's cool. It's cool to see. And I think the pros just need to realize that this is it's mainly for promotion promotion promotional material mm. you know they're releasing the new rainbow six invite packs which i got the skin the very first pack i opened which i was so excited for i didn't think i was gonna get it that skin is so nice um i don't think the pros realize that yeah they're complaining that this should be implemented in the rank right now which i agree but it's just a little fun event to do, and they're just promoting the invite, which the pros are going to be at. So why do they? Well, and they're also that? not going to change the way the ranked works in the middle of the season. I'm sorry, yeah. Ubisoft. It's it's like 
this is what the only thing I don't necessarily like about pros is like, you know what? People have always complained about how Ubisoft has always changed things for the pros with almost like as if they don't care about the casuals. And so, but the pros are always like, oh no, we know best and you'll enjoy the game more if you just listen to us. And, you know, it, you know, kind of we are the top of the player uh, or, or yeah, like that. They almost act as like, it's not Ubisoft favoring them. It's, it's, you know, it's the best thing to do. But then when uh, Ubisoft does something for casuals, the pros get all but frustrated. For my example is, you know, they removed mid-season reinforcements because they didn't want uh, the pros to have to deal with huge sweeping changes in the middle of the season. Well, now that's happening to the casuals. They don't want the casuals to deal with, you know, because this is a big change going for people who have never played comp before or even watched pro league before this new format is a huge change and um, put implementing that in the middle of the season will be a huge change. And, you know, I don't think it's something that should be implemented in the middle of the season. And I don't the pros, know. The pros all think that that's what the, it should happen, even though, you know, it's definitely not. Are you playing a game right now? Because I think you're on bank in the the fucking. No, I'm watching the the pro league right now. Oh yeah. Playing in the background. I heard the bank. Are they playing on bank? Yeah. I heard the metal detectors go off. The beepers. Yeah, it's uh Penta versus Team Secret. Penta is now on match point six three. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about the PC pro league or. Pro Pro League, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. G2, not having a good season. No, do you think they're actually holding back? Or do you think that they're just going through a I think the whole excuse of them saving strats is complete and utter bullshit. You don't save strats in the beginning of the Pro League season like this. Sure, you can save strats in... Uh, you know, that you, saving strats used to be a thing when there were seeding matches way back when. For example, in the seeding match before the Atlantic City Finals... When Rogue beat EG, EG was saving strats. The, because the seeding matches don't matter. They just dictate who you're going to, or wh- whether you're going to play uh, the better team from a region or the worst team from a region. That's all it does. Seeding matches aren't a thing anymore. So saving strats is completely and utterly useless and pointless. Because now G2, if just for example, say if G2 is saving strats, they have put themselves in a hole that is. Very difficult to escape from. They're sure. like it's possible. Fifth, right? They're yeah. The, right now they're fifth or sixth spot, and they've Jeez. won one game. They've lost twice, and they've tied once. And they are playing the current uh, top team in EU uh, in two matches from this. And they're playing Empire. Empire is the only undefeated team next to EG. And you know if. These these days, you know, if they lose this match or even just tie this match, that is going to be a huge like problem for G two because now you're almost halfway done the season and you've got amassed a total of five points, and that's if Do they. Do you tie think it. that G two is getting burnt out? I think, think that's what it is. problems internally. There definitely has to because the last time G two got into a slump like this, it was when they were having issues with KS. So I think they're definitely – there's something going on. They're not doing this on purpose. Anyone who says they're doing this on purpose is a G2 fanboy that, you know, 
can't uh, accept the fact that G2 can lose and that they're not invincible. Yeah. And then have EG and Reciprocity played yet? No, they play on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. That's going to be a good game. I'm excited for that game. Those are my two favorite teams right now. Or uh, EG EG's always been my favorite team. I've loved EG forever. And then, uh, you know, I've always loved Skies. I loved Elevate. Elevate and uh, Elevate versus Flipside was the first Pro League match I ever watched. That was back in uh, year two, season three, I believe. Year two, yeah, year two, season three, I watched that match. And I fucking adored Skies. Like, I've loved Skies forever. And now that, he, you know, when he got – when Obey became a thing, you know, there were three of my favorite players on Obey. You had Bosco, um, Adam, and Skies on one team. I thought that was going to be a hype team. That kind of fell through. Bosco found a home in Space Station. I've always been a fan of Space Station. You know what? I love Flipside and Dark Zero – or now Dark Zero. And I think they're my third favorite team in North America. But – you know, Adam hasn't found a home yet. But when Skies got picked up by Reciprocity, I was fucking hyped. I was Relaxing like, and Skies reunited. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the thing is, is that, like, they were Cloud9, 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 Cloud9. And then I went to check what time the NA matches started at. And all of a sudden, there's this team there. I'm like, where did Cloud9 go? And I looked it up. And it's like, oh, wow, Skies got picked up. And they changed orders. That's awesome. And, you know, they're fucking killing it, too. They know. Right behind G two or E G, they've only lost one match. Or they had no sorry, they haven't even lost a match. They've won uh, four times and they've tied once. Do you think they should have lost when they played uh, Team Rampy? Team Rampy, um, yeah, no fucking. I was well. Part of the reason Rampy was allowed to get that many kills was because it went to a tie. If they just went, if Space Station just went and seven zero swept. Uh, reciprocity, Rampy would not have gotten the majority of those kills because he would he started the attacking half at like eleven or twelve kills. Or sorry, no, it was like eight or nine because he got the majority of his kills on attack. So if it was a seven zero sweep, he would have ended you know with twelve, maybe twelve, thirteen kills at most. Which well, is still impressive. I saw the um, not his record. I saw somebody did like the number crunching, or whatever. Like Penguin had the most kills in a land. And like most average kills per round. Yeah, he had the he was the most he had the most efficient. But uh, someone else did the stats and actually uh, achieved from I think the new accelerate EXG whatever. Um, he actually had more kill efficiency by like point like by like point two over Pengu or whatever. He got like nineteen kills in this many rounds. And he had like more kill efficiency, which mm-hmm. I think it's crazy. The like the new by adding in a new round, we get all these just crazy stats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like. However, if you think about it, um, back in the day when Pengu got his record, there was only like one or two less rounds than we have now because back then they still had the double overtime. Or the two round overtime, so they would have it would go four four, and then you would go to six. So you would have you could play a maximum of uh, yeah, you could play a maximum of eleven rounds. Yeah, eight plus three. Yeah, you could play a maximum of eleven rounds. Whereas now you can play a maximum of twelve rounds. So there's only one extra round, 
So people who are like, oh, well, Pengu played on the old, you know, on the old format. That's not much different. You know, there's only one extra round in this new format. So if you really yeah. think about it, it's it's not, you know, Rampy's record is definitely more impressive than Pengu's. Although, be it, yeah, Pengu's was on LAN. But this was also way back in the day when Blackbeard had an 800 health shield and everyone else, everyone in the fucking game was a bot. So I definitely want to, I definitely think that Rampy's record is a more impressive. Do you also think that G2 has just, everyone's found a way to counter G2? Because if you look at it, from my point of view, it's because every team is just shutting down Kanto. Yeah, that's true, but and, and, you know, to an extent, that's true. Where they, you know, they've been shutting down Kanto. They've, uh, you know, kind of been pulling their, you know, teams playing them have kind of been taking their, removing their brains from their skulls, and doing stupid shit. But if you look back in the day, that's what everybody used to. That's what the game used to be played like until G two invented the meta. The way that people play Siege nowadays was it was paved like like that was paved and created by G two or previously Penta. Back before that, everyone played like a bunch of fucking retards with their heads cut off. And back then, if you tried to play dumb against G two, they would shut you down swiftly. And to say that you know shutting down Kanto gives you the win on G two is, you know, that's true to an extent, but. You have some of the best players in the world. Pengu can clutch like easily. Eunice is one of the best fraggers in the world. You know, you have one of the biggest minds in the world with Fabian, and then you have Goga, who is easily the best support player in the world. So if they're the best, then why aren't they winning? Exactly. Well, I think the reason that they're not winning is there's something that's going on internally. There has to be. And you know what? There have teams have been doing a good job at countering them. And you know, if G two can figure out their their internal issues or whatnot and fix that, then yeah, I definitely think that you know teams will have a harder time shutting them down. Because if you look in the past, teams have tried the you know what teams are doing now. Those have been, that has that you know that strategy has been tried against G two before, but it never worked. Because you know if you're gonna just take gunfights against G two, G two will win those gunfights. They have shown that they do that time and time again. But for some reason, they're just not winning their gunfights. And do you think it's because teams have just caught up? That's possible. You know, it's possible teams have caught up. Um, it's possible that you know G two. Well, G two is also a very emotional team as well. And so I think that you know they lost the yeah, one. You get Fabian pissed off. That mm-hmm. they're very emotional. Off Fabian, you because you, you, you. I see Fabian. I don't like Fabian. I mm-hmm. think he's a prick. Which I mean, if you're that good at the game, I guess you get a excuse like to points, To be honest, he's a, <laughs> he's a lot of dumb shit that he thinks is just a joke, and he doesn't really mean it seriously. But everyone takes it seriously, and it's really fucking annoying. Um, so that's kind of like that. I think that they're an emotional team, and because they've been losing, that's just kind of adding things up because. You know, for the past two years, it's like they've been the best team, and they have that this kind of idea that they're not supposed to lose ever. And they go and they lose a game, and then tie a game, and then lose a game. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, it's it's kind of been compounding. Um, you know, holy shit, 
Do you think uh do you think a Latin American do you think a Latin American team is gonna win the invite? No. Or do you think like EG or I think we do not think that the Latin America team is gonna win the invite. I it's gonna be North America or EU. I think any team has from Latin America has best chance. I would say phase, but I'm gonna go with liquid. I would not say phase. They've been playing like shit recently. They've been both phase and well, liquid. Liquid lost to Red Devils yesterday, and phase all, all nearly lost to Ints. So, right, Latin America. The problem with them is they're so inconsistent. Their teams are so inconsistent. And I don't know. I just I don't. You know, I think there will be Latin American teams in in semis, but they won't make it out of semis. What about uh? What about, what about an APAC team? I also I don't think APAC has been slowly getting better and better and better, but looking at the APAC teams that are coming, you know, it's Nora Rangu, Fnatic, and Mantis. Mantis is gonna not. Mantis won't make it out of groups. Fnatic might make it out of groups if the last invitational has anything to speak or say about that, but. Again, I think they're going to get shut down in quarters. I think the only reason they beat EG was because EG was not prepared for the way that they were going to play. They played like a bunch of fucking monkeys, and it worked. But the thing about that is that only works once. You, you know, the next time, uh, you know, and plus, you know, their fanatic is going to have their coach, their their, their IGL. Sorry, they're going to have Magnet there. And so they're not. They're gonna play like you know how they normally play. And sure, they're dominant in Latin America. I don't think they're gonna make it out of uh, quarters if they make it into quarters. I think. The, do you think, I think the do APAC. Do you think Nora Ringo is gonna surprise them? I think. I think the APAC team with the best chance of making it out of uh, quarters is Nora Rango. They were the only. APAC, they're the only APAC team to ever actually outplay another team from another region to make it out of quarters. So yeah, I think they beat Rogue, which is, I mean, Rogue's always been known to be like the second best, like right behind G2. Not but this, not this. they won the U.S. Nationals, which is, I mean, that was just because EG was playing with a coach, to be honest. Um, oh, Rogue is, has always had to live in EG shadow, and they will always live in EG shadow, and especially now. They're in fifth spot. They're in fifth place. So, like, they're doing even worse than they normally do, you know, especially with names like Reciprocity and Dark Zero. You know, having to compete with that now is going to be very difficult. I think, I think, I think Dark Zero is a dark horse. Mm-hmm. No, Dark Zero is definitely really, really good. They did lose to EG, however. So, there is that. Um, I definitely think that... The problem with Rogue is that they're complacent. Rogue, you know, they picked up vertical and everything, but I mean, the way that Rogue is play- I've never really been a fan of Rogue, so I might be a little bit biased here, but I- I've watched Rogue for so long, and they just, they're so boring, and they seem to play the same way all the time. And, you know, they're constantly living in EG shadow, and now with Reciprocity and Dark Sewer, I-, I fear that they're going to live in those guys' shadows as well. So I definitely yeah, think they, Rogue got slammed by EG. Oh yeah, they got seven. The only reason why they got a free round was because exactly. of that whole seven three. Technically a seven two. I definitely the whole uh, rehost yeah. shenanigans or whatever. I definitely think that the four teams that are going to be in semifinals are going to be EG G two. I want to say 
reciprocity. Okay, actually, you know, I can't really predict the semis, but if I had to pick two teams from each region that will have a possibility of making it to semis and even through semis, from NA, it's reciprocity and each 100%. From Europe, it's G2 and I want to say probably Empire. I know that's probably kind of lame for me to say, but yeah. It could be Listream as well. Listream, yeah, possibly, but... Is Penta in it? Um, I believe... No, I don't think they are. I think the EU, it's Mocket, Listream, uh, G2, Empire, and then NA is Rogue, Space Station, uh, Reciprocity, and EG... Uh, APAC is Mantis, uh, Fnatic, Norango, uh, and then Latin America is Immortals. This is the big four. Yeah. Immortals, um, Liquid, Phase, and Black, or uh, Nip. Ninjas. And then there's one other from Europe, but I don't remember. It could be Penta. It might be Penta. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to look into that. But Yeah, because EU has five. Yeah, EU does have five because they won the last major. But I definitely think, yeah, from EU, it would be Empire or G2. From Latin America, it's either going to be Immortals or uh, NIP. Because those have been the two most dominant teams in Latin America. And then, yeah, EG, Reciprocity, and EG. I would really love to see an NA-NA final, albeit that the chances of that happening are so slim. An NA-NA final would be dope because that would be a callback to the last Invitational. But I want to see EG in the, in the finals. EG or Reciprocity, definitely. And then... I think a very interesting uh, final would be uh, a Team Empire versus an NA team or a Latin America team versus an NA team. Or, you know what, if an APAC team is good enough to make it through, if we could see an, a- an APAC team in finals, that would also be really cool. But I definitely think that if uh, Empire comes into the Invitational and, and is super dominant and plays like they have been and is able to beat out their European uh, brethren and take on, you know, the best of NA in Latin America. If they take it and they end up winning the Invitational the same season, like a month after they get into Pro League, that'll be insane. Yeah. Uh, All right, we're going to switch over from Pro Pro League and we're going to go back to the Pro League arena. Okay. We've kind of been all over the place, which is fine. Um, <laughs> who do you, and your honest, like non-biased opinion, who do you think is going to be the one to win the tournament or the league or whatever? And and your what you've seen so far from the teams that I've played, the teams that I know and whatnot, I would say. As of right now, it's definitely cynical. I mean, I'll fucking, that's all. I'm pretty sure that's obvious. Um, uh, Apex could possibly, maybe. Um, but to be honest, those are the only two good teams I've played or even seen thus far. I don't, I don't know a lot about the other teams, uh, to be fair. I know there's Decadence, but I feel like if we were to play Decadence again, that we would be able to take that. Um, You've also got Clarity... 
Um, he's good. Um, I feel like they tend to remove their brains from their skulls, though, in the way that they. Clarity's in the uh, blue division, actually. They're not in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venom's another good call. They've got some. Yeah, I, I was actually looking at Venom. I think Venom is good. Um, I know Venom got slammed by Vivid, but Vivid's had roster changes lately. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, they might be having more as well. Wink, wink, nudge, and nudge. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, um, I don't know. If Maver- I don't think, if Vivid tries to play with Mavericks in Pro League, that's going to be a little... No, um, Mavericks is banned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of which, mm-hmm. have you have you seen the Discord? Or the Are you in the Pro League Discord? I'm not in the Pro League Discord, no. Oh, my gosh. Let me invite you real quick. Yeah, it's probably – but, yeah, no, I heard that uh, you guys have been trying to get Jay on band, which I think is awesome. Um, actually, uh, what's it called? Um, Regime GG just got banned today. Why is that? They were trying to get – they were talking with Quaft, apparently motivated, and Mavericks and Tragic L were trying to jump ship over the – regime to play and Oreo went to go ask permission from Johnny and Johnny was like okay like he was okay with it at first because he was he was thinking about uplifting the band on Oreo and motivated but then he found out that tragic was M and K or something like that and he he basically banned he banned tragic regime Motivated Mavericks, Oreo, the whole Quack roster got permabanned. Yikes! What do you What do you think about that? Because obviously, I have my biased opinions about Quack. I, me and them have never really had a solid relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because that they Jack, also known as Oreo, basically lied to me. He lied to the whole pro league. Yeah, I don't know. I think what should have, I think what should have happened with the initial ban on them should have been the players that were using M and K should have been forced to not play on the team before they banned the team outright. But however, yeah, they were you know the owner of the team was lying about M and K, and there's that. But you know, players like Focal and Motivated and Mavericks, you know, they've proven time and time again that they are controller players and I don't think them just saying that they want to get a keyboard is enough grounds to actually ban them no but the fact of it was is that Oreo basically got caught talking about his zim and how to set it up and his jittering and all that yeah well I like that's what I mean is like you know, Quack, you know, them getting banned as a team, I think that's fine. And I think the players that were using M&K could also get banned. But the players that weren't using M&K, I think that's a little uh, unfair with them. But then again, they did choose to remain silent about it as well. So there is that. So, I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, it's I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Oh, I, I understand. However, uh, I think the fact that... Banned. Was fucking the fact that they try they picked up another MK player on their roster. Well, exactly. Well, then, well, the second ban I totally agree with. If they went and then 
you know, tried to get unbanned, and then Johnny took it, you know, gave them the chance, and was thinking almost unbanned them, and then they go and they pick up another MNK player. That's a little scummy, and that, you know, what at that point you deserve it. The only reason that I know that Tragic's MK is because he played on Slaughterhouse, which was like the most notorious mouse and keyboard mm-hmm. team outside of like Twitter Beef. Mm-hmm. And Twitter Beef's not even a team anymore. Yeah. But yeah, no, they played Slaughterhouse before they broke apart. They played in the monthly against 95. Se- like six or seven people in that lobby were mouse and keyboard players. Oh, that's ridiculous. I definitely think that um, that uh, you know, if they if they didn't pick up another MK player, that ban is fun. Remember the ban against Jay? That was a little uncalled for. I think. Uh, I'm working on that. I I think Johnny is gonna uplift the ban. Because I mean, I I've looked at the screenshots. He wasn't really talking shit or being toxic. He was just stating his opinion. But a lot of a lot of here's what. People don't realize, okay? People just see, like, all the news and up. It's like the actual media, you know what I mean? Like, they see the posts, but they're not in the Discord, and they have no idea what's going on. You see all. You see a lot of the teams in the Discord commenting how they support the decision. Mm-hmm. On the outside perspective, people think that Johnny is just trying to boost Apex's, like, chances of winning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm defending Johnny on this, and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people are too, because I have heard nobody complain in the Pro League Discord. Yeah. Other than Chat Esports. I feel like which, if Jay were to come out and apologize and be like, you know, even which he ha- he did, he he's he's coming out and apologize because. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think it'd be fair to give him a second chance. I I think Johnny will. I honestly think so. Well, it's funny because right now, um, Omni is like G2 and, or X Penta and Vivid is like Ents because we stole one player from them and we might be stealing another. Are you guys, are you trying to get lighter? No. We don't need another fragger. We were looking at. Uh, it's a player. Oh, I don't really want to say too much right now because nothing is set in stone. But there was a player that Jay got onto Vivid, and that um, now uh, wants to get onto us because he's apparently he's a really really good support player, and that's kind of what we need is another good support. Because me and Jay can frag, or if Jay wants to play flex or um, support, then me and Andrew can flat frag. Uh, Marcus is a good flex or and support fragger, and then we need just one good dedicated support. And uh, Andrew is good at playing support. Marcus is good at playing support. Jay is good at playing support. We need, uh, but we need, but they don't all actually play support. And so, for, what we've been having to do is have one person play the support role, even though that's not what we necessarily want to do. We want somebody who actually wants to play support and is good at it. And so, the player that we're thinking of does want to play support and enjoys playing support. And then that kind of opens us up um, to allow us to kind of do a little bit more and be a little bit more versatile because then we can stick Marcus on the support fragging role and then I can frag and then um, Andrew and Jay can alternate between flex and fragging. 
Yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to play Fragger Roll when I played against Apex. Yeah, you did really well. I was quite impressed. Um, because uh, Rictra, I mean, Rictra, he he wasn't a Fragger. Right? He had the lowest amount of kills in the game. Mm-hmm. He had, like the lowest stats in the game, but he did his job. Mm-hmm. When I was talking to Wolfie about him getting Reacher into the squad, I was like, "Okay, let, let's try him out. Let's see what's going on. I'm I'm okay to take risks right now because we're going through roster changes and we don't need known people to play for us. Like I'm gonna go back to the roots where we had just like a bunch of guys that emerged out of the scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean the only like act like the only known known player that we got was Fiji." Mm-hmm. So, um, Retro did a good job, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He he was not there the frag. He played Legion, Twitch, Echo. And I think no, Andrew or Wolfie was playing. Wolfie was playing Sledge. He he played a lot of support and. You know me, Echo's my favorite operator in the game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play Echo, but he was like, hey man, can I play Echo? And I was like, sure, okay, I'll go Bandit. Luckily enough, playing Bandit saved her skins because I was able to, I was kind of like a sitting, like an anchor fragger, I guess. I, I did have some dumbass moments, like when I ran on yellow stairs trying to kill the thermite with the Montang. I mean, that was a bot moment, but if ah. you know my play style, I am not afraid to play like a crackhead. Exactly. Well, sometimes that actually works. You know, if, for example, you know, for, and I'm not trying to be mean to you or anything here. Like, you know what? You don't have God tier aim or God tier game sense or anything like this, but what you do have is the ability to remove, remove your brain from your skull. And sometimes that works because if you're not able to take those long-range fights or, you know, you don't have the best reaction time to take angles or, you know, you can't make these outstanding plays, sometimes what you got to do is you just got to play super aggressive, get in people's faces and do, you know, the shit that they don't expect. And that and can the- actually win. You know, it can win you shit. And you know what? If it gets you the win and it works, then nobody can tell you otherwise. Nobody can... That's something I learned from, uh, you know, the sure people like to blame meta abuse for a lot of things. And yes, line is fucking broken. I'm glad he's out of comp. But, you know, Blitz, Dokabi, Finca, that shit, sure, you can call it meta abuse, whatever. But if, it, if that strategy we works, even... if that strategy works for you and it wins, then go for it. You know, I don't it's think... big of a crutch as it is, and it may lower the skill gap. If it works, you do it. And that's why I hate when people, you know, get mad at crouch spamming and shit like that. It's in the game. It will win you. It will rim you gunfights and use it. It's up to Ubisoft to fix that, not up to the community to bully people into fixing that. It's the same when drop shotting was around. It was a problem. People were voicing on the problem and they changed that. But people who drop shotted, like, there was nothing wrong with the way they played. Because it's in the game. It's like the same when, you know, when Elo is around. People are going to use the strategy that gives them the win. It, this loves will play. There's no taking risks. There's no, you know, there's no 
being merciful or being, you know, uh, or being just or having a sense of morality when it comes to things like this. Because you do what you need to do to win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to top it all off, like, I just got back from a car accident and I had to play. (laughs) Cardboard wasn't home. Ginger wasn't at home. Crimpy didn't want to play. Crimpy's now been removed. Hawaiian Crimpy got kicked. Crimpy is a monkey. I would have gotten that kid 10 times out of 10. Um, so, <laughs> I, was, I was still, like, the first two rounds of the game, I was, like, really shaky. Like, you, you can see that when I killed uh, Wolves when he was playing Valkyrie upstairs. I was an absolute potato bot. Like, my body was shaking. I was still in shock from the car wreck. Mm-hmm. And after that, like, I think around when I it's when I started playing Thatcher and I got I killed Brayden and then I helped uh, Andrew kill uh, I think it was Skies who was playing a smoke upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized I was like, man, I need to calm down because we're about to win this game. And yeah, we started off the game. One one to three, you know, not a good start. But luckily, the games are so long now that you we had that ability to bounce back. You know what I mean? It went back and forth after that. No, no, I was very impressed with you guys and you guys' performance. I quite enjoyed watching that match. And then this week, you and I are very similar in the fact that, you know, we both started really big teams and we weren't really the best players on those teams, but we've kind of come up and. You know, we've been we've seen our players that played under us do so well, and we wanted that. And then we both dedicated so much and worked so hard to. And we, you know, I think you and I have both improved immensely as a, you know compared to where we were the first time I ever played you. Like I, I've never been a diamond. My highest rank ever was plat one this season. I finally hit it, broke the barrier. And I'm, like, in the middle of high plateau, like, middle plateau. But I'm okay with that. Well, that's good. And because, I, rank doesn't fucking mean shit yeah, at this point. that whole Apex team, you got Toby, who's, like, you got Toby, who's a gunner. You got that Braden kid. I was not impressed with that Braden kid. I was not. I'll be honest. I'm sorry, Braden, if you're listening to this. I was not impressed. Uh, simple, he's inconsistent. Galaxy, Galaxy's all right. And then I think it was Skies. I mean, every person on that team was a diamond, pretty much. Like, plat one diamond. Our team, we had Wolfie, X-Majors player. Mello, who was one of the best non-MK comp players right now. Uh, Fiji, who played in Majors. Rektra was who was a, like a last minute sub for us. He's now on our roster. And then me, like, I thought we were going to lose that game, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. that was the first time ever that we ever, like, played a competitive scene with each other. I mean, I played with Mello. I played with Wolfie. I played with Fiji a little bit. But, like, it was a map we never stratted on. It was against a team who's had, like, five, six scrims already, who's gelled together a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that, like, just 
because we had Reacher, who's never really played with us before, he would not get up to speed. And I think we did fantastic. And I think that's a match of the season right there. And it's only been the first, it was only already the first week. Yeah, no, I definitely think that was a very, very good, good match. It was a good showing. I really enjoyed watching. And on Saturday, we have Ginger coming back and Cardboard coming back. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a power. It is, so is Wolfie actually playing for you guys now? Yeah. He, awesome. he finally got out of Sacred. <laughs> Bless yeah. his heart. He finally got out. I like the players on Sacred. Or now, Shadow Side, I don't like the fucking management very much. Well, now I mean, they're... I like, I like Orochi a lot. We've scrimmed them a couple of times, and I think Orochi... Orochi's kind of my counterpart on his team. And, you know, it's fun. You know, because every right time... Now, every time I kill... Shadow side nation. Yeah. Every time Orochi kills me or I kill Orochi, we'll send each other a little heart or something like that. It's, it's, it's fun. You know, I also love Moist as well. Moist is... He's a homie. It's funny because I every time I fucking queue against him in rank, it's always on fucking cafe. Yeah, um, I think cardboard was a hidden gem because you know that he was on Talon. Oh yeah, then, he was on Talon for the longest time, and like yeah, he kind of he just stayed quiet and like waited for his time, and, and then, then when everybody left, he was like, I'll, "I won't leave this team." Like. Yeah. This team has had so much success, and like I didn't really play much, so I don't really get much to say. And I was like, you know what, cardboard, I want you to play, and I know you're really fucking good. And the kid goes out on on investigation while he was fucking gunning. He fucking guns big baller. He plays well against the best. He beats ninety five bull. Destroys Quacked. I mean, and it wasn't me. It was me and Ginger who gave him the chance because we we subbed out Mellow because yeah. we were gonna try out Cardboard because he was really wanting it. And then when Toby Toby left, we we decided that Cardboard and Mellow would work together. And then we we had Goonwick on Cynical for a little bit. But Ginger and Goonwick just did not get along real well. So Goonwick got kicked out. Bugs and Captain are playing PC Challenger League qualifiers right now. Uh, so we have a pretty open roster, to be honest. We've only got two subs, which is me and Rektra. And a new recruit we got, his name is Badly, I think. We haven't really tried him out yet. But yeah, open, and, you know, sometimes risks, you I'm know. open to take risks. You know, taking a risk on somebody is... A good thing, for example, like Leon Gids um, for Secret. He was a total rank star, and they decided to take a risk on him, and he's a all-star player now. Um, but, yeah, no, I definitely think that, like, uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, taking risks is something that, you know, it's needed to do sometimes. I remember when we scrimmed Apex, we beat them one match, um, and it was when they they were playing with us. This was before that Braden um, – they're playing with Skies, uh, Simple, uh, Hixer, Toby, and I want to say Galaxy. I'm not 100% sure. But I dropped like 17 on them or some shit like that on Oregon. And Toby messaged me. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Toby. 
I don't think he's as bad as people say he is. I don't think he's necessarily that toxic. He just kind of, I don't know. I feel like his social skills aren't the greatest. He kind of says the wrong shit at the wrong time. You kind of know why I, I say that. But it was nice because I remember when I was still in yeah. town, there's a long time ago, we did a tens or whatnot. And like, um, I got put on the support on the support thing by Jinjo. And I said, thanks for the opportunity. He said, I said that I'm going to try my absolute hardest and dedicate, you know, a lot of time and I'm going to get better. And I did. And, uh, Toby messaged me after that match and said, you he said, wow, you've really improved. And I don't know. That, that made me feel, made me feel pretty good. It's like a an act of respect, you know what I mean? Like, and I I feel sorry for Toby too because every team people kind of gang up on him. I never like I never had bad blood with Toby. You know, he said some pretty terrible shit and whatnot. And but I I never held him to that. It was funny because it was louder and motivated and void at that time that were kind of and focal too that were kind of bullying him off of talent and. And they were, and they used what he said against me as such, you know, big evidence for that that case. Even though, you know, it happened to me. He said that shit to me, and I had, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the one that was like using it as evidence. I was like, you know, I don't really think that he should get kicked off. So yeah, I, I agree. I do feel bad for him sometimes. And we gave him another chance on Cynical, but it was on his birthday, and I guess his parents threw him a surprise party, and he was AFK for like mm-hmm. half a go for round, and we got first rounded. Um, but if you think about it, though, at the end of the day, Toby's been to a go for final. Focal, motivated, void, and louder haven't. And I mean, that's not a diss to them. But, like, mm-hmm. that's on paper. Like, you can go back and look at that. I mean, that that go for Toby had the only negative KD, but he played roles that card – he basically mm-hmm. got shifted around and cardboard took his role. And I know the first go for as a team where we got quarters and Toby got booted, he had, like, a 1.8. Jinja had a 3.0. Like, he he still has it, and I'm glad that he's found a team that's uh, like actually appreciates him. And he he plays well on Apex as well. Because I felt like. Well, that's the thing is, Toby has such good game sense and really good aim, and I think that, you know, he can really frag out with anybody. But Toby's like me and like Wolfie put together. Like Wolfie has incredible game sense and he's not he's not gun skill, but he knows the game so much that like he can handle his own in a gunfight, but he can also do mm-hmm. like unique things that will change the tide of the game, you know? And then there's me where I do crackhead shit. Toby's oh, yeah. not Toby is not afraid to do crackhead. Like he's one of the biggest crackheads i've ever met and then he when he as he grew as a comp player or whatever because he he's evolved a little bit 
he went from being an Ash Yeager main to meaning Echo and playing Jackal, and we banned Jackal against Apex specifically because of him. Yeah. We also banned their best map, which is Border. So we were thinking about banning Ash because of Brayden, but we figured mm. out easily that Brayden can be killed easily. He's not all that. He's only mm-hmm. 100 and 100, and if he gets to your head, he's going to kill you. That's it. But you saw on the VOD where I completely caught him off guard, and he potatoed, and I just, boop, filmed him in the head. Didn't drone himself yeah. out, didn't do anything, just went in by himself. You know, I, I mean, I'm not criticizing him, because he did slam me more than I slammed him. But that's just a thing that Apex needs. Like, I'll give it to Apex. They need to work on that. I know they don't really play consulate, but if Brayden is going to be your entry fragger, yeah. he needs to have a drone on him and he can't drone himself in. I mean, he could, but that just completely wastes time for him because the point of an entry fragger is to have a drone. Yeah, that was kind of what pissed me off with him, uh, one of my last matches on Talon was it was when I was starting to get into my fragging role and I was entering with Ash and Foco called for me to push into office, or sorry, not office, but take control of office and aquarium. And like, they, everyone else was pushing alone onto, or pushing on the VIP, and I was left alone. And I, I asked for a drone, and like multiple times nobody droned, and so I droned myself in. It was clear. I walked in, and somebody in the pro, in the time that it took me to get off my drone and get into the room, somebody else walks into the room and I got killed and so and then I got yelled at because he was like oh you shouldn't be solo entrying or solo droning and I was, or I was or sorry and then I was like well nobody called for or he's like you should be solo entering I was like I was like well I asked for a drone and nobody drone me in he was like you should be able to drone yourself and I was like I did and uh there's no one there and then he was, and then he was like no ashes are always drone themselves and I don't know what you're talking about that kind of pissed me off. Whereas now it's like, you know, my team almost play like on our attacks, they play around me almost like it, it, you know, it can be stressful at times because I have so much pressure on me to win my gunfights, but I have like, it's like, for example, in today's match, I, we had such good drone work. Like I, we knew exactly where everyone was on the map the whole time. And, you know, I, I would, I would, I would get into my entry. Yeah, I was super comfortable, and I, I would have a you drone with me all the time, and I would take so much map control by myself with you know one or two drones in front of me, and I'd get the map control, how to hold it for the rest of my team to get in, and then we would take the site push from there. And so you know, I I'm that, that's the type of teamwork that I felt like when I was on Talon. That's what kind of what we lacked, and that was partly that was just because we never ever practiced, and our synergy was kind of dog shit. Every single one of the players that we had on town was good, but we just yeah, didn't we have never... the synergy or the practice. And that's why we got beat by Quacked every time is because Quacked actually practiced and <laughs> um, I think I think the difference between Quacked back then and Quacked now is, I mean, Yes, Quacked is better now, 
but they're they completely changed their whole philosophy. They're not a strat heavy team like they mm-hmm. once were. They're a frag heavy team now. I don't think I think that with our new Omni squad, we're really good at being able to play either way. For example, in our game against Omega, we were super, super strat heavy because we knew, you know, they're a struggling team and they're going to play like crackheads and they're going to try and do unexpected shit. They know that, you know, individually skill-wise, our players were better and that, you know, if they tried to play our game of, uh, what, or, or of like, you know, stratting that they would lose. And so they tried to play like crackheads and so we just played strat heavy with a little bit of crackhead and we took the fights that we needed to, but aside from that, we played, you know, super, you know, exactly how we practiced it. And because of that, you know, we took it flawlessly. Um, whereas, you know, if we were going against a super strat heavy team, I think like we, if we can't outstrat them, we do have the capability to try and outfrag them. And if there's a team that outfrags us, then we have the ability to try and outstrap them. I think, yeah. I think that's this game. That's something that's super important about this game is being yeah. able to play either way, to be able to you know, be versatile. Because um, if you don't, um, if you're not, if you don't play versatile and whatnot, you know it can lead to some pretty poor situations. For example, say, you know, I have the experience of playing support for when I was on town. Say, there's a day I'm not fragging out as well as I can. I put Jay on the fragging roll, and then I go in uh, flex or I support or whatnot. And it's because of that versatility that, you know, you see teams like G2 that have developed such, you know, you know, such a good track record because every single one of their players can play almost any, uh, any single role. I mean, minus Fabian. But even then, you see Fabian running people like Jackal and Bandit and Jaeger and stuff like that. So... Versatility is important. Um, yeah, piggybacking off what you said, I've always felt like I'm versatile. I, I don't have an operator that I'm exceptionally well at, other than I'd probably say Echo. Um, but I love playing Thatcher. I love playing as Jackal. I love Blackbeard. Um, I love Jaeger. I played Jaeger like every day for the first two weeks and I had like a point or like a 1.5 KD mm-hmm. to start off the first two weeks with, you know. Um, last night, or not last night, like last week on Saturday, Rektra wanted to go Echo and Legion and all that. And I was like, okay, I'll go play Bandit since uh, Mello wanted Jaeger and Mello's cynical support player. But since we did 